You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. I am talking to you on my new headset, first time. So it's brand new, but it's the same headset. I just got a new version of it because the last one was making some clicking sounds. I don't know if you guys could tell, but I was certainly hearing them whenever I would do some of my post-production work. And so I thought, well, you know what? Has there ever been a better time than Christmas to gift yourself a brand new headset? So hopefully this is going to not have clicks and sound even better because it's new, whereas the other one was like three years old. So that was really cool. And we're going to dive right into expectations. I expect that this headset will work really well and won't have the clicking. Let's see how that works out. (laughs) If you're following linearly, then you know yesterday I did um, an expectations, the leading cause of disappointment. And we're just going to pick up where we left off because I got off, you know, my usual soapbox tangent. And I very much enjoyed bringing you some perspective uh, around how I experience expectations, ways that you might be experiencing them as well, and then sort of tying them all up in a nice little bow at the end and just discussing how expectations can be the ruination of holidays. And because it is Christmas coming up, I did want to tie that in, but I know a lot of people will listen to these shows well after it is you know, December 21st. And so while Christmas is certainly what's happening now, it won't necessarily be what's happening whenever you're listening to this show. So today what we're going to do is we're going to continue with expectations because I did go off into Jesse land and I didn't use much of at all of my notes <laughs> and I put a lot of effort into this. And there's some really great stuff that I didn't cover that I always had a feeling was going to end up splitting this show in half. I'm trying to do that now moving forward instead of having one hour long episodes, split the content in half, which works really well when you're doing a daily show because then you guys don't have to wait too long for it. And certainly works well for me because it's all fresh on the tip of my tongue. Whereas I thought I was going to bank a bunch of episodes and I might for the holiday season. I did not. I'm literally doing these each and every single day that they're due. And um, they're not due to anyone but me. I set that expectation. Although people in my tribe are definitely enjoying this. And I have a feeling that many of you as well, because the numbers are showing really great listenership. So I want to just shower you with appreciation for tuning in to a sobriety podcast podcast with so much going on around you with the holidays. Expectations, the leading cause of disappointment. Understanding expectations and their impact on your life. And I'll do a quick little review of some of the things I covered yesterday. That expectations are these preconceived ideas about how we would like situations to unfold or how we would like people to behave. The formation of these expectations come from our beliefs about how situations should happen how, again, they should unfold, um, how people should act around us or the things that they should do for us or to us or with us, all of that. Anything that you might expect somebody to you know, do around with, to, for, whatever, all of it. It can be shaped by your parents, authority figures, life experiences, peers. The amount of influences that can come into why you would have expectations is just you know, top of the mountain. It's just, there's a ton of them. 
And there can be positive aspects of these. They can motivate you. They can inspire you. They can push you to overcome obstacles and chase dreams. Certainly, when I looked in the mirror after crawling my ass out of that shit tub back on January 12th of 2017, I decided, looking in that mirror, that I was getting ready to be that person who blew all the uh, expectations, um, all of the amount of, what was it, people used to tell me, like, Jesse, you have a ton of potential. And I was like, I expected good things out of myself. I expected great things out of myself. And what I expected from myself at 18 had not materialized at 40. And looking in that mirror, the expectations, the potential, it was all, you know, quickly, quickly flying out the window. And I was heading to the emergency room if I didn't change my behavior. So certainly that helped me push through an obstacle, which would have been my addiction and step into my sobriety, chasing the dream of just long-term recovery. I knew the moment that alcohol hit my lips and cocaine went up my nose that this was going to be one hell of a ride. But at some point, I was going to have to get off of it if I was ever going to accomplish much with my life, and let alone live to see 41. I did always think I would be dead by 40. Um, Really, uh, my original goal was to die at 27, like Elvis and Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix and John Lennon. Although those first three died because of alcohol and drugs and the last one was assassinated, still there was a mysticism around the age of 27, Kurt Cobain. Um, you know, you look at people like Shannon Hoon and uh, some of those other grunge guys, they all died before 27. So I thought, okay, cool, let me go out like the stars. Um, that didn't happen, so I reset my sights on 40, and then that didn't happen. So I was like, well, I guess we're going to try sobriety now. <laughs> I say it flippantly, but again, overcoming obstacles, chasing dreams, negative aspects. Um, these are the unrealistic expectations that create friction, misunderstandings, frustrations, negative emotions. And that could be uh, jealousy, anger, sadness, betrayal, fear, shame, guilt, all of them. Right. If you have an expectation of how um, somebody is going to behave and then they don't, you might have guilt that you ever did that and put that upon them. Or you might have jealousy that they went and did something else with somebody else and they're supposed to do it with you. Like all of the negative emotions. So when we live by other people's expectations, um, that creates inner conflict. We have these expectations from others that are often based on their experiences of what they've been able to achieve, not ours. So this creates them laying these unrealistic Hell, sometimes even contradictory expectations and demands upon us. We might be all in on saving the world and the planet, so we want to go save rivers, and they want us to get into oil mining and be on the boat that dumps a bunch of sludge into a river and kills a bunch of fish. Random example, but it could have very contradictory demands to what we want. They might uh, expect you to go into one field of education to be a doctor or a lawyer or a psychiatrist, and then you decide that you want to go, you know, uh, plant flowers in Mozambique. And that's an expectation they had for what they wanted you to do with your life. And then you chose a different direction. So now there's animosity and negative emotions. See how that all ties back up? Uh, the negative effects, striving to meet other people's expectations can lead to you having anger and resentment, um, decision paralysis, mental health issues. There is more than one person that I know in my life 
who chose the career they did because their parents told them they could make a lot of money doing it. And so now they're in business or they're in finance. And what they really wanted to be was a zoologist or a chiropractor or an oceanographer. And yes, back in the 90s, there may not have been as many opportunities well known for some of these jobs as they certainly are now because the internet provides us just this wealth of information. But they did what their parents expected them to. And they went and got a degree in what their parents wanted. And now here they are in their 40s and 50s rumin, you know, ruminating on the fact that they had an opportunity to follow their own path and instead they followed somebody else's. And now there's resentment and there can be a little bit of despising that other person for pushing you into that because the parents had expectations for what they wanted their child to become uh, and f- with best interest at heart, wanting them to have financial stability. So it's understandable, but then now they're doing a job that they can't stand, and now they hate Mondays, and they you know can't. Everybody's working for the weekend, and then um, another living by other people's expectations thing to be paying attention to is letting go. When you put expectations into perspective, they will help cultivate your inner voice. You will express your wants and needs through your own voice. And you'll understand that your life is yours to live. And so these could be some very important things to pay attention to when you want to understand why under, why understanding about expectations is so important and prevalent in what we're seeking to do as we journey ourselves from sobriety to recovery. So what exactly can we be paying attention to when it comes to expectations and the unrealistic nature of them sometimes? Notice where you might hear them and, and see them at work. Um, are you waiting for the right opportunity to ask for the promotion, to ask for the raise, to ask for the transfer instead of taking action? Because if you're expecting the boss or somebody there to finally shower the praise upon you that you believe you've earned and it doesn't come, now you're stagnant. Um, now your animosity and your anger and your disappointment in that person, you want to be focusing on your proactivity. Uh, back in the day, um, it was often said that um, you know STEM kind of professions were only for men and not for women, and that when women did get into the professional workspace, which is really just an advent of the sexual revolution in the 60s and 70s, then we started noticing that um, not only did pay go down for everybody, but women were getting paid substantially less for jobs, uh, same job that men were. And then women had an inability to ask for their worth to request, hey, I think I'm working really hard. I deserve a raise. This is one of the most detrimental things that we did in our society, which was downplay the importance of the feminine energy stepping into what was once very held sacred as the masculine energy, this business professional world. And now what we're seeing is this new enlightenment where there is a proactivity towards asking for what you're worth. But if you're one of those people who's biting your tongue, not asking for what you're worth, and you believe you've earned more at work, then you should speak your voice. Because if that's not the place that will honor you, some other place will. I think we have certainly seen that the job market, while flush with people with degrees, um, still lacks a lot of people who could even follow my basic seven principles from my book. If you haven't heard of the book, The Seven Powerful Principles to Help You Excel in College and Beyond, I actually think it'd be a great read for all of us in sobriety and recovery, just to replace all the stories about college with uh, those about addiction. I mean, seriously, it's it's a life coaching book. I just targeted it towards college students because I also have a college success habits podcast. Anyways, I digress. In friendships, where might unrealistic expectations not be fulfilled? Um, you're 
expectations that you have towards your friendships could be based on other people's behaviors, other friends, other family members, just other acquaintances or hell, just the behaviors of people you see around you. So maybe your roommate's not doing the dishes due to their upbringing and they were never asked to do the dishes or they don't take out the garbage. They don't participate in those kind of things. And now that's causing friction. This is what we go back to when we talked yesterday. Um, Have you discuss these things? Are you placing unknown expectations on somebody without their agreeance or commitment? Regarding money, uh, believing that money equates to success can lead to neglecting other important areas of your life. I have this issue. This move and COVID really put my finances in the bit of a bind. So I put a lot of attention towards my business and growing that. And because of it, other areas of my life don't necessarily get the kind of attention I would prefer them to. And that can be in my own self-care, you know, relegating my meditation practice to once or twice a week. It could be in my relationships, not calling up my brother or my uncle or my sister as often as I would prefer, not spending time with my girlfriend as much, or, you know, while I am spending time with her, thinking about work. So it's important to understand that, yes, it is very likely that when you got into sobriety that your finances were not in the best state of affairs because of what your addiction was prone to do, which is cause you to overspend for your drug of choice. Uh, Realize in that process of healing that while you do want to get your finances in order, there are other things out there you want to pay attention to. It's not just your self-sphere, it's your career sphere, and it is your relationship sphere and your balancing and juggling them all and giving each one of them the attention they deserve in the moment and then being 100% there, witnessed, grounded whenever you are within that sphere and then go off and get back into one of the other spheres. Like when you're at work, be into work. When you're watching your kid's baseball game, be into the baseball game. When you're you know at church, be into church. Don't be on your phone. Those kind of things. So now let's understand the nature of expectations. First, we've got the formation And then we've got expectations versus reality. So formation is influenced by our past experiences. Social media, just regular old television media, newspaper media, internet media. Um, Also with internal desires and knowledge, things that we know. So our past experiences. Oh, well, they did this in the past, so I expect that they'll do it now. Well, that may not necessarily be the case because change is the only constant we have in life. So there's a very high potential that what you may have witnessed them do in the past is not who they are today. Uh, Social media is a bunch of freaking lies. I'm trying to get back into it and shooting some videos, and I go on there and I see what people are doing. But it's it's cool and all, and I'm not by any stretch of the imagination bashing it. But a lot of times we see pictures and videos on there of people living these idealized lives when I have been in those situations. And I have watched family members yell and scream at each other, and then it's picture time and everybody smiles. I've been in an argument with my girlfriend, and then yet we're still taking nice, happy pictures. Social media is full of a bunch of people projecting what they would like their life to be and like their life to be, and then you place expectations on yourself to recreate these magical Rockefeller images, Norman Rockwell images, and they aren't even real. Uh, Media does it the same way. Commercials do this. 
you know, think about how many booze commercials there are where it shows everybody dressed up nice and having a good time in the bar and drinking responsibly. And I'm like, yeah, that's how everybody's behaving at eight o'clock when they just got off work, went and showered and went to the local watering hole to visit all their friends. Uh, why don't we fast forward that commercial four hours? Let's play it to the credits and let's see everybody sloppy as drunk, making fools of themselves. Uh, let's just make sure that we know the reality of the situation here. Um, internal desires, you might desire somebody to show you the affection that you want. So then you place those expectations on them without them knowing, with no agreeance or commitment. And you wonder why you're disappointed. And then, of course, knowledge. And that goes without saying that you learn things about how people can behave. And then you would like people to behave that way around you. Or you've learned things about how you could be behaving. And then you place those expectations on yourself. I see this a lot whenever people are in that three, six, nine, twelve month range of sobriety, where they um, look at other people in the two, three, four, five, seven, twelve, nineteen range of years of sobriety and recovery, and then they're like, "Well, I want what that person has." I'm like, "Yeah, well, they've got a little bit more time in this, so why don't you just keep taking your steps day by day and see where your life takes you, and don't." necessarily expect that you'll be able to achieve what that person did, why don't you choose your own achievements and then begin to work towards those? So be mindful of how you might place expectations upon it in that regard. Expectations versus reality. Um, The gap can lead to a range of emotions from disappointment to elation. And as we set up at the very top, there are some positive aspects pushing you to achieve things that you didn't think you could achieve, motivating you, inspiring you. I have this you know, expectation that I can create a very amazing business and support my family on being a addiction recovery coach, a life coach, a business consultant, and a therapist. Like I do have that expectation, and I work really, really hard at it. It hasn't necessarily paid off the way I would prefer to now, but I know that if I keep working hard and I stick at it, the likelihood that it will be accomplished is way higher than if I quit. So be mindful of expectations versus reality that it's not always the disappointment, although I do believe that expectations are the leading cause of disappointment. There are opportunities for elation. Let's bring back in Christmas. It is a few days away. You might have an expectation that your spouse, sibling, parents, friends will get you a particular gift. Do you remember when you were a child and you had begged for a bike for months and you went downstairs and there was the bike and you were so joyful and you flipped out and even though it was like 17 degrees outside and there was snow on the ground and there was bears out there ice skating, you still took that bike outside. That worked in the elation category. Other times you might have wanted something in your life and it didn't show up, even though you very much expected that it would. That led to disappointment and another, you know, many, many, many varied negative emotions. So our challenge of the unrealistic expectations, motivational misconceptions. So we have these high standards and that's part of my spirituality that I talk about on here. All right, morals, ethics, values, opinions, beliefs, um, standards of habits and principles. So we, I may have said principles twice. High standards are often believed to be motivational, but they can actually lead to negative emotions and behaviors. Is if we place these super high standards on ourselves and then we're not able to reach them and achieve them, then we can feel uh, negatively towards ourselves. And that's when the negative self-talk and the automatic negative thoughts can come in. What I think is important to notice here is that we want 
to have high standards, but we want to also understand where our standards are at now and then step them up. Like if you currently, let's say, shower once a month and you would like to have the standards of somebody who showers twice a day. Well, you're going to go from once every 30 days to twice every day, which means you're going to go from one shower to 60 showers on average every single month. That might be a huge leap. Maybe we just get you down to one shower every week, and then it's one shower every four days, and then it's one shower every two days, now you're showering every day. And then we start peppering in the double shower. Random ass example, but it's the quickest one I could come up with. Um, Somebody in the tribe was like, I never know what you're going to say during the podcast. It's so suspenseful. And my response back was, I don't know what I'm going to say either. I find it suspenseful as well. There's one of those moments. (laughs) Okay, back to motivational misconceptions. I had to take a little bit of water there. Also be paying attention to your protective nature. Some hold on to unrealistic expectations, believing they offer a sense of protection. But instead of the protection, um, they aren't focusing on the present, which is more beneficial. So you might have this expectation of what you will be in a year. So you hold on to that. And meanwhile, you're missing out on the now. This can really easily be tied back into finances where we have this idea like, well, I can be happy. I expect that I'll be happy once I'm making, let's say, six figures a year. Well, you're going to miss out on a whole lot of life if you're just waiting to be happy until you hit six figures. And I know people making six figures. I know people making seven and eight figures. And I can assure you, the happiness they were seeking was not at the end of that rainbow. Just because you find a pot of gold might give you immediate happiness. But as far as long-term joy, it does not. It does provide a lot more opportunities. I will never be foolish enough to say that money doesn't have its purpose. But happiness generally is not one of those things that it knows how to buy. So let's get into the how of the expectations. Strategies for managing your unrealistic expectations. First, I want you to face them with some curiosity, with some humor. Make it a game to identify them, especially those ones that are especially challenging, um, unrealistic. Make it a game. Locate them, right? If you are currently 100 pounds overweight and your expectation is that you will release 100 pounds in 90 days, then you know that's probably something that would be super hilarious for you to catch and say, okay, what would be more realistic than trying to lose a pound every single day for 90 straight days? Let's think of a different way. So face them with some curiosity and humor. Make fun of yourself. Be like, oh, Jesse, you're so goofy. You weren't going to be able to pull that off in 90 days. Let's think of it a different way. Also, the double standard technique is an interesting one. Um, treat yourself with some compassion and realism you would offer a friend. See, we hold ourselves up to certain standards that we would not hold other people up to. That's where the double standard in this technique comes from. We would tell our friends, oh, slow down. Don't worry. With hard work and dedication, it'll come. But ourselves, we're looking in the mirror like, what is your problem? Get up off your ass and get out there and work until you fall dead. Like, if you wouldn't say it to a five-year-old who's struggling achieving something, don't say it to yourself. Reflect on the effects. Assess whether your expectations are helping or hindering your progress and happiness. This is another thing. A study was done at one of those uh, super smarty pants Ivy League schools. I read this recently in my master's studies that decided to have people 
um, internally beat themselves up for not achieving things, and then other other people talk nicely to themselves while they were seeking to achieve this. And it turns out that the people who were talking smack to themselves inside their head, all these automatic negative thoughts, actually were more likely to quit, were less motivated to continue working on the project, and suffered from more sadness and depression than the people who were saying nice things to themselves. If you have these expectations inside your head and you're beating yourself up over the fact that you aren't achieving them, that you're not reaching them, is that really helping you or hindering you? Studies have been done that says that it hinders you when you beat yourself up. You might have a different go about it. I know that for me, a good motivator is guilt to get myself out of bed in the morning, to work a little bit later into the night, to keep doing the podcast every day, even though some nights I've been super fried. You know, it's like there's a bit of a guilt in it. But guilt is like nitrous in a car. It works really quick. Same with pride. When I lost, uh, released 70, let's see, I was at 233 to 173, 60 pounds. When I first got sober, and it took me about eight months to release 40 pounds. And then that last 20 was a smidge bit tricky because I got into a relationship and stopped paying attention to it. But the point here to make is that... um, I had to internally recognize that what I was seeking to achieve was certainly an opportunity for me to help myself through the positive, the positivity of sobriety and recovery. And there was a sense of pride and guilt that I used as my nitrous to get up and go work out so that I would, you know, achieve those abs and have a great body. That's definitely what I used. I, I definitely used use guilt and pride as nitrous whenever I was going from 193 to 159 uh, back for my 45th birthday. But again, it's nitrous. What that will get you up off the couch, but it is not fuel. It, it is it is a mixture you put into your fuel. What you want for fuel is going to be that vision you have of your life when you've achieved this thing the confidence that you'll feel having achieved it, um, the happiness that will come from knowing that you can make promises to yourself and you follow through. That's fuel. That's what's going to get you up even on the worst of days, whenever it's cold and rainy outside and you're, I'm out there getting my 10,000 steps anyways. It is the discipline that I have created. That's my fuel. Later on tonight, I'm going to be on the exercise bike for another 2,000 steps, or I might even go walk around outside because it's only like 45 degrees. The that is being fueled by my internal desire to set down a goal to reach 117 straight days of walking 10,000 steps and not not letting it get broken, and that's it. Now I might use a bit of guilt or pride in as far as well. You said you do it, Jesse, so you better do it. Or hey, imagine how cool you're going to be able to feel with your shirt off whenever you get back to that one, you know, weight you were at when you were 45. Again, pride and guilt can be that nitrous that pop you up off the couch, but more positive emotions like happiness and esteem and confidence, those are going to be your fuels. And then I want you to uh, proactively focus on compassion towards yourself, patience, openness, gentleness. Realize again that if you were five years old, you would not talk to yourself the way you are inside your head. And then embrace flexibility, which is principle number seven, I'm sorry, six in my book exercise flexibility, be sensitive to changing circumstances, and adjust your approach accordingly. We have expectations for how something will play out, but then once we get into the thick of it, things don't necessarily go that way. It's the old, I think it was FDR, 
or was it um, not Woodrow Wilson, one of those generals from back in World War II who said, uh, plans are worthless, but planning is priceless. You want to have a plan to flex from, but realize that's where exercising flexibility is so important. Um, so now we're closing this up. We want to be able to deal with these expectations versus reality that we've created. So notice where you're placing expectations. Are they on yourself? Are they on others? Adjust them. Release them. A couple of days ago, I was in a text thread, and I mentioned this in 258 with someone who said, you know, let's lower our expectations. And, you know, yes, certainly we, we could think about that. But if we do lower our expectations, then what we might find ourselves doing is just being disappointed that we had to lower them. Now, adjusting them and monitoring them and maybe even releasing them. Like, I can expect that Christmas morning is going to be awesome. But I'm not necessarily lowering my expectations whenever I say that, you know, I'll get whatever I get for Christmas or it'll be as warm as it is or as cold as it is. It's just I am simply releasing it. Whatever I wake up to in the morning is what I wake up to in the morning. Maybe it's the cool gift that I don't even remember asking for. Maybe it's snowing outside. Maybe it's 69 degrees outside and I can go out there and and get some steps without even having to wear earmuffs. I have no idea. Just release it. Release it. Because whatever happens, it happens. And we will play our part in seeking to, you know, guide it in the direction we want. But as soon as we start adding other variables, and again, like yesterday, variables are generally humans, we really start to lose control over the overall uh, outcome that we seek. Um, Even if it's our own thing that we're trying to achieve, like releasing 100 pounds, there's still going to be a lot of variables in there that we're just not aware of. Proactive mindfulness, stay present, reduce anxiety, By simply picturing yourself in the future, having successfully completed that behavior or picture in the future whenever you and the other person have a really amazing lunch and you had all this anxiety about what you would say or what you would eat. And now picture yourself 15 minutes afterwards in your car driving home uh, and having that lunch be successful. Well, what did that success look like for you? What did it feel like? What did it sound like? And then work your way backwards and say, well, what do I have to do in order to achieve this outcome? And then go seek that, releasing expectations that it will ever play out exactly how you have it in your mind. Become adaptable and cultivate adaptability. Embrace the changes. Again, back to the adjusting of expectations, right? Up, down, high, low, all of the above, right? I'm never going to say a concrete statement like never have expectations. That'd be like saying don't ever have emotions. We're humans. We're going to expect things. But we also have the ability to slide them up and down on a scale. And then once we figure out where they're at on the scale, whoosh, release. You can seek support from your friends, your family, um, counselors, recovery coaches like me, life coaches like me. Uh, Simply remember that if you have unknown expectations, then where's the opportunity for agreeance and commitment? Simply put, just tell people what you would like and give them the opportunity to say yes or no. And you know, deal with the rejection. Life is full of it. It's all about how you choose to respond to it. Learn from your disappointments. Go back and journal a little bit and reflect on and monitor the expectations based on your past experiences. And what were the variables then versus what the variables are now? I might have an expectation that if I go to a wedding with all my friends from my 20s, that it's going to be just a you know jolly good time. Well, that was back when we were all in our mid-20s, and we had a lot less 
responsibilities. Now all of those same friends are married with mortgages and kids and full-time jobs. It's probably not going to be the shit show that it was back then. And hell, I don't even drink anymore. And then journaling. Um, We've already discussed why it's super helpful to do that. So I will close you out with all of that. Mindfulness and presence. Reframing thoughts. Flexibility and adaptability. Practice some gratitude. I'm talking so fast. Slow down, Jesse. Just because you're doing 30-minute episodes doesn't mean you have to cram an hour worth of material into 30 minutes. Uh, did you know that you can actually slow me down on all, most of the podcasting apps? Just go to where you can speed it up or slow down. There's generally one where you can play me at like 0.8 or 0.5. So if I talk really fast for you, you know there's an opportunity to slow me down. Just do it within the app. Gratitude practice. Focus on what you have. And then look around at the things that you have now and ask yourself, if this were to all of a sudden go away, if somebody were to take it, if it were to break, would I want this back? And then it's something that you would want back, that you would work your butt off to get back, then you currently own something you really, really, really want. And it can also not even be ownership. It could be a relationship. It could be a job. It could be a pickup basketball game that you have with your friends on Tuesday nights or the golf round that you play with your boys on a Friday. If that's something that if it went away, you would miss it and you would want it back, congratulations. You have what you want. Stop seeking so many other things and be happy with the things that you do have. Because oftentimes we've met our expectations in many, many areas in life. But that hedonistic adaptation kicks in where we're like, well, it was really exciting a month ago, but now it's not so exciting. So now I want something more. Well, always wanting something more, <laughs> it's, that should be like one of the many mottos for addiction. <laughs> addiction. <laughs> I'm already picturing this, but now I'm picturing a honey badger wearing the shirt. Addiction. <laughs> Always wanting more. It is literally <laughs> to see this honey badger eating eating the snake while also trying to eat the honeybees and scorpions. Uh you I really gotta stop watching this honey badger show on Paramount. <laughs> Seriously. And then just let it go of control. We can control our own responses. We can control how we react. We can control ourselves. Outside of that don't have much control over that and it's uh, you know to be honest if we really to step back from the whole thing and look at it from a bird's eye view half the time no more than that 99.994 percent of the time your unconscious mind is controlling your behaviors you are only consciously aware of 0.006 percent of what is happening around you so and I think one of my clients said this recently that he had read or heard somewhere that if, let's say somebody asks you a question, your body responds a half second before words actually come out of your mouth. Your physiology, your uh, internal mechanisms like your heart rate, your pupils being dilated, um, whether your face is tight or smooth, uh, whether your eyes are crinkled or not, whether your posture is, is upright or maybe a little slouched, like your body is already responding before your brain has even told your mouth to start to talk. That's the unconscious mind. Let go of control. 
of certain things and just realize they will be what they be. So that's it, my friends. Talked a little bit longer than I had intended to. Expectations, the leading cause of disappointment. Now we understand them. So start to search around. Where do you have expectations about what early sobriety will be like? Where you have expectations about what the, you know, three, six, nine, twelve month range will be like, or it's year two, three, five. Where are you holding on to expectations about what's going to happen around holidays or your birthday or anything? Just notice where you're placing expectations and ask yourself if they're on you, are they fair? Are they reasonable? Have you actually even checked with yourself for agreeance on whether you would want to do that? Sometimes we just decide to do things without thinking about the repercussions, but now we have an expectation that we'll follow through, which sounds like a lot like my brain whenever I've, it's been like three in the morning and I'm shooting a podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, nope, Jesse, Jesse, you can do it. You can do it. But that's the expectation. I, I, make ex- I make promises to myself and then I expect that I'll follow through. And it matters more to me to honor my word to myself than it does to get that extra 30 minutes of sleep. And also notice where are you placing expectations on your friends? Are they unknown? Have you asked for agreements? Have you asked for commitment? Are you willing to be told no and be okay with that? Rejection is a part of life. It's all about how you choose to respond to it. If you'd like to know more about how to learn neuro-linguistic programming from me to get into the tribe so you can be around other listeners just like you sharing their stories and their uh, support, towards one another in this amazing journey we are on from sobriety to recovery. If you'd like to know how to get into some coaching with me, I do uh, one-on-one coaching. I really would like to congratulate all of the new clients that have come in and stepped up during the month of December and joined the tribe, joined the coaching, learned NLP. It has been an honor and always will be an honor to be part of Team U. I do not take it lightly. I eat, drink, and sleep this stuff. It matters to me. That's it, my friends. Until we meet again tomorrow, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober. Shout out to Sunshine and Robert. Glow on. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.